Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we discuss DJ's FedEx Cup win and hear from the man himself. We also have an exclusive interview with six-time LET winner Mel Reed. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse Podcast. Hello and welcome to Clubhouse, brought to you in association with Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and I am joined this week by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Welcome back. Yeah, it was fun hosting the podcast last week, but I haven't been, you know, professionally trained in the presenter role like you have. So, uh, yeah, how was your week off? Well, just to clarify, I also haven't been professionally trained. That's why um, I sometimes can't finish my sentences. But uh, no, my week off was very good, thank you. Spent it at home with the uh, the kids. My young, uh, my son, I've only got one son. I was going to say youngest son, but I've only got one son. He starts school in a week, so we just had a fun week, including a trip to Diggerland, which I'm not sure if you've ever been to, but it's really good if you like diggers, which my son absolutely does. So that was great fun. Uh, did you play any golf at the week? Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, yeah, I had my club championships at the weekend and uh, yeah, it, it went worse than I, I could have expected, to be honest. I had a, I shot 11 over in the first round, which meant I missed out. Well, I basically missed the cut by one, um, which really hurt actually. And then I played in like the, the losers competition the next day and shot even worse. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty awful. But I had a lesson yesterday at the Berkshire and yeah, turning my my driver yip into a, a nice draw, hopefully. So, so what uh, what did he say? What was the uh, pearls of wisdom? What what have you taken away from your lesson? Um, it's all about getting the the hips to move first instead of really coming over the top of it. Uh, mm -hmm. And also, I had quite a bad alignment issue, so I was aiming too far right. So yeah, I've got to do like some some really weird hip training and stuff which was quite funny because my girlfriend was there as well because she's getting into golf now. Uh, she's cool. basically obsessed with it. So we had a joint lesson. Um, so, yeah, there was just two blokes at 8 p.m. on a driving range just moving their hips together, which was a bit funny. But... <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, no, it's good. Obviously, you know I had my first golf lesson just a few weeks ago and um, really has turned my thoughts about golf round, to be honest with you, where I was – dreading playing to actually I can't wait to go out and play again so um, uh, yeah I'm really looking forward to it and we're playing golf next week aren't we Elliot? Yeah so we're going to the Berkshire next week where I had my lesson last night and I'd never been there before and honestly it looks absolutely sensational I mean luckily we're playing both courses because both mm. courses are equally as good essentially uh, yeah it's just a carpet of heather everywhere you look. It sounds like I might be visiting some of that but uh, no. <laughs> yeah I would too. We're looking forward to it. I do need. I want to go down to the golf range and just practice my new swing because it could be a bit tricky on the first two at the Berkshire. But we'll wait and see how it goes. Eh? We'll uh, uh, Tom, yeah, they've got a, a driving range there actually, which is beautiful, and it's free golf balls if you're, you know, playing there as a visitor or if you're a member. So that's like I'm, I'm quite tempted to join there, but it's quite difficult to join there, as you would imagine. But that's like such a great perk of the club because the, the yeah the driving range is awesome. I recommend oh. that. Sounds amazing. Maybe I'll uh, turn up a little bit earlier and <laughs> I can uh, sort my swing out. So uh, yeah, that's, that sounds like that sounds like fun. Um, 
But someone who certainly doesn't need too much help with his golf swing is Dustin Johnson, who um, won the FedEx Cup at the weekend. He won the Tour Championship at Eastlake, um, finishing three clear at 21 under par. He obviously started the tournament a few shots clear of everybody anyway, because um, where he was um, he was ranked in, in the FedEx Cup ranking. So, um, But he's not had a bad few weeks, has he? So he's, he's won $18.7 million in his last four starts, which is quite an obscene amount of money when you think about it. Um, he held off the challenges of Anna Chauflay and Justin Thomas, whilst John Rahm was also up there finishing fourth, and Scotty Scheffler was fifth. PJ champion Morikawa was sixth. And also a great result for Till Hatton, who finished in seventh. But, um, I mean, DJ played very well, I thought. Um, you know, he was under a bit of pressure throughout. And when you think about how much money he's actually playing for, you'd think that someone would get under pressure. But actually, he, he, he held it together, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He started the week at 10 under. And we saw last year when Justin Thomas started on that score that it doesn't automatically mean that you're going to win or you're going to hold the 54-hole lead. And yeah, he did exactly what he needed to do that, that week. He played just brilliant golf like he has been playing the last four weeks. That's helped him win almost $19 million, like you said there. Yeah, it, it was always going to be quite close in the final round, even though it was five clear. When you're playing for $15 million, you're not going to do anything silly. So um, yeah, props to Chauffeur and Thomas for really giving it a good run. I think they took home $4.5 million each, which is you know pretty good for them as well. But DJ did what he needed to pretty, do. Pretty good. Pretty good, yeah, yeah. Four, just $4 million. Yeah, pretty decent. Uh, I think he had eight pars in a row on the back nine and then birdied the last. So, yeah, just a really good performance from him. And, yeah, he said in, in his interview after that he thinks he's the best uh, player in the world right now and he, he is playing the best golf. But it's all about the majors, Tom, isn't it? it well, it, it is. I mean, he is playing exceptional golf at the moment and he hasn't had it all his own way this year. By any stretch of the imagination, he had a bit of injury issues. He also had a bit of form issues. I mean, I think he then he shoot in the eighties twice. I think this year, um, yeah, he, he won the Travellers. I think like the third or fourth week back, and then shot eighty eighty at the Memorial. I think then withdrew. So uh, yeah, he, he's managed to bounce back from that really well with with two wins. Yeah, and uh, well, I thought he played fantastically. Who, but who who do we think played the best golf of the whole tournament? Well, Chauflay won. I think he finished at 15 under. So uh, in terms of the official World Golf ranking, Chauflay actually went down as the victor. So he got all the, the lion's share of the points. But uh, I think, yeah, you've got to say DJ played the best because he had the most pressure on him. He had it to lose. It was in his hands and he finished it off like the true champion, I think. Yeah, Chauflay's a very good player around Eastlake, isn't he? It's not a bad, <laughs> it's not a bad place to play very well at, is it? No, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when he won there a couple of years ago in his rookie season. I tipped him at 100 to 1 that week. I don't know if you remember that, Elliot. Yeah, <laughs> it, it rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just looking at, you know, if you actually looked at, looking, I'm just looking at the scores now from uh, the 72 holes that they did it over. Chauflay um, actually won by three from Scotty Scheffler, who actually beat DJ by one as well. Uh, and DJ and Thomas were the, were, were the same scores until Hatton fifth. So it's um, it's a funny tournament how they've done it, and I'm glad the world rankings actually do use the actual 72 hole scores as their as their little bookmark for this, because otherwise I don't think it's really that fair, is it? On um, someone having a very good week and just missing out. 
Yeah, it is a bit confusing how it does that because if you go on the, the official World Golf ranking, it will tell you that Dustin Johnson finished tied third. So yeah. it's, it's a bit strange. But um, also, I wanted to mention McElroy. I didn't think he was going to play. I actually wrote on the website last week. It looks highly unlikely that he's going to play because he's probably going to have some paternity leave or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, picked up 960 grand a few days after his first child was born. So that should pay for the, the college fees, you would think. Yes, I think that's always going to help. And uh, yeah, it's probably one, it's probably the hardest tournament to miss, isn't it? When you just think, yeah. I turn up. And by turning up, I'm going to win some money here and some serious dough. So um, yeah, it, it, I, th- I, th- I thought it was a decent week uh, of golf, actually. Um, I always find it a bit odd because it's such a small field. But um, I do like the golf course a lot. You quite like the golf course as well, don't you? Yeah, I love it. It's a, a classic. And um also, now that it's on PGA Tour 2K21, you, you can um, really get to grips with it and, and play a few rounds. I, I actually did win the FedEx Cup there a couple of weeks ago as well. <laughs> oh, congratulations. It's, it's, uh, you'll have to buy a beer the next time that, you, uh, that I see if you if you're $15 million richer. Uh, but uh, no, oh, no, I thought it was an excellent uh, week. And we're actually going to hear from DJ now. We spoke to him during lockdown, digital letter. Neil Tapp inspect him. So here's a little chat with the new FedEx Cup champion and world number one, Dustin Johnson. When you t- take a look back at your career, at the moment that you're in now, Dustin, I, I guess take pushing the US Open to one side, because that sort of is a real standout victory. What moments do you look back on most fondly? Well, I mean, that, that would have been probably... You know, that kind of kick-started, you know, my, my pretty good run the last few years. Um, you know, obviously I was, you know, I, I was having good seasons every year up until then, but that kind of, you know, I was always, you know, kind of top 10. And then that's what pushed me to, you know, and kind of propelled me to get to number one. And I stayed at number one for a while. But, you know, that was probably the biggest kind of jump where, you know, it was two, and I think it was earlier that year we were at, uh, we were at, I think it was in L.A. So when I got Trackman. One part of my game that I, you know, going through the stats, talking with Keith, talking with my coaches, you know, where I could really improve was wedge play. And, you know, it was just something, and it was all on me because I just never really practiced, you know, especially not like certain distances where I had like, so if my field was really good that week, I was probably going to win. But, you know, then a lot of times, you know, your field can't be spot on every single week. So one thing that really helped me and really helped me get from being a good player to a great player was, you know, working on the wedges. Cause no matter for me, no matter how I'm swinging or how I'm driving I know I can hit my wedges close. So, it, you know, especially on the days you're struggling, I mean, it, it can save you a couple, three or four shots around just, you know, being able to get up and down. Oh, for sure. For sure. So that was the big thing that, that sort of transformed things and made you, you know, world number one, I take it. Absolutely. So then looking outside of the majors, what would you say was the biggest achievement of your career? I mean, I don't know. They're all big. Every win is, <laughs> for me is, is very important and big just because it's so hard to win out here on tour. The guys, you know, 
such if you, you know, each week anybody in the field can win the event. So it's, you know, it's not only you're beating, you know, you don't have to beat just the top 50 players in the world. you got to beat everybody that's in that field. And like I said, on any given week, anyone in the field can win. So, you know, it's very difficult to win on the PGA Tour. So, I mean, for me, they're all big wins. And, you know, I treat every week the same, whether it's a major or, or just a regular tour event. Um, I go into it and prepare like like it's, you know, a huge tournament because they are. Looking at your career, the consistency is one thing that really stands out. I mean, I think that sort of streak of winning every year on tour is, is incredible. Um, what's the key to that consistency been? Um, well, you know, I've put, put a lot of work in. Uh-huh. So, you know, just, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it has to do with a lot of things. The, the work I put in, the, you know, you know, the amount of time I put in in the gym, you know, it's just a combination of, of everything. What does it take to win a major? I think if anybody knew exactly what it took to win a major, <laughs> they'd probably win a lot more. <laughs> um, it, it, it takes a lot. I mean, everything needs to go go well that week to, to win a major. That's for sure. But, you know, it definitely takes patience. And, I mean, obviously, you need to have your, your best stuff that week for four days, which is really hard to do. Sure, but I guess at your level, the level that, that you know, the very top of the game, it's a, as much a mental challenge, is it, as a physical one? Or, or I, I guess, as you say, you've got to be on it physically, but then to win one, to actually get it's over always, the line. Yeah, it's always mental. It's always mental. For me, like the US Open at Oakmont in 16... That was probably the most focused I've been from start to finish in a golf tournament. So for me, it's, you know, and, you know, thinking correctly, you know, making the right decisions. So, yeah, mental, for sure, 100% mental. It sounds easy to do, but I know how hard it is. <laughs> yeah, it does sound easy, you know, focus for the whole time for four rounds and yeah, <laughs> try to do that. Just try to do it. Try to focus the whole the whole every shot for one day. It's difficult. And and looking back at your career, or at from, least for me, it's difficult. Sure, it's difficult. I think it's difficult for everybody, isn't it? Look, looking back at your career, Dustin, from where where we are at the moment, do you feel like you're ahead of where you thought you would have been when you were first coming out on tour? Do you think you're in line with what you expected or behind? I mean, what were your ex- expectations when you first came out and where do you feel like you sit now? I mean, if you ask me, so the, from when the first day I stepped on tour in Hawaii, um, from that moment, I would say I would be, I'm ahead of where I thought I would be. But if you ask me, like, right now, if I look back on my career, I think it could have it should have been a lot better so far and I think it's going to get better but when you're first coming out on tour you've got you really have no idea <laughs> sure I mean to be honest I mean it's not you can say you know whatever you want but you really truly don't know until you actually come out here and play and actually see and then experience how good these guys really are 
Was there a moment then in those early days when you realised that you were good enough to, to win multiple times and to go on to have the career that you've had? Well, I mean, I knew after, I think my first week on tour, I finished, you know, tied for 10th or something that in Hawaii, which probably isn't, uh, you know, you know, if you're looking at a golf course, it's probably not a golf course that's set up, you know, great for me, but, you know, I still competed and, you know, finished 10th in my first event, which, you know, was pretty good. So I, I knew at that point that, yeah, I had what it took to compete out here. So, Dustin, you're mid-30s. You've got a really good group of years ahead of you where, you know, big things could happen. What are you hoping to achieve? Um, yeah, I want to continue, obviously, continue, you know, doing exactly what I've been doing. Obviously, I'd like to get a lot more wins, um, you know, which is the goal for me is just, you know, put myself in position to win, but, you know, I would definitely like to get a, get a few more majors for sure. Cool. Lovely. I really appreciate that, Dustin. Thank you very much for, um, for, for joining right, me. Thank you. So there you go, Dustin Johnson, giving us some great insight there. And I know that was, that was actually done before he won the FedEx Cup, obviously. But he said he's ahead of where he wanted to be. And it, but it does seem that he actually has a few things on his bucket list that he wants to get ticked off. And I think the FedEx Cup was definitely one of those things. He actually said that in the interview afterwards. I don't know if you saw that earlier that he'd always, you know, wanted to win this and he thought that this was his best chance to do it so far, obviously going into the Tour Championship as, as leader. So it's interesting. You probably wouldn't think that DJ's the kind of person to actually give himself a list of, of things that he wants to do. He just kind of gets on with it. Um, but obviously on that list is going to be more majors. We've got US Open just next week and then obviously the Masters in November. They're going to be both on his list as well, aren't they? Yeah, of course. That's... Uh... That's what he, he believes he should be winning, and rightly so. I think whenever you think DJ, you think, oh, he hasn't quite won enough majors. But um, like you are saying there about the FedEx Cup, do you remember early this year when he withdrew from the Olympics to focus on the FedEx Cup? So, you know, I think he probably regrets saying that now because of lockdown and the Olympics getting postponed. But, yeah, it's, it's obviously a great title to win, and I'm not sure if it was all about the trophy it's probably a little bit about the money as well but yeah he is he's ticking I off prestige actually i think it's being i think it's being able to call yourself the fedex cup champion or you know the money winner champion or you know whatever you want to call it um you know that means you've won this whole season doesn't it and he look i think you'll see other people who have done it and think you know what i'm on that list i should have done it by now or you know i should have given myself better opportunities to do it get get that goal completed so uh, I think he's just very happy to get that over and done with. And I do wonder now, obviously, with the Olympics now moved to next year, whether he actually he will actually say, actually, I, will, I do want to play in the Olympics now. Because um, if he's suddenly trying to hit all these bucket list goals, I mean, the gold medal at the Olympics is probably going to be somewhere around there, isn't it? I mean, it won't be as high as the Masters, but I think it's it's, it's probably around there. So um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he tees up at the, at the Olympics next year now. No, uh, hopefully. I mean, it's going to be a great golf course in Japan. Hopefully, it's going to be in front of great fans because we saw last year at the Zozo, the Japanese fans are amazing. I would say they're well up with UK fans. See, I don't know why you wouldn't play in it, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
But moving on, we're going to talk about the other pro event which happened at the weekend, which was the Andalusia Masters, which took place at the incredible Valderrama in Spain. And it was another American who triumphed in the form of John Catlin, who held off Martin Keimer to win his maiden European Tour title. Keimer bogeyed the 18th of Valderrama to hand the American the title. So I've got a question for you here, it? Who is John Catlin? Yeah, he's uh, a bit of an unknown source, isn't he? The first I heard about him was a few weeks ago after he went to a restaurant and he got kicked out of the English Championship or something because he broke the European Tour bubble, if you remember. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's quite an esteemed player, actually. He spent a lot of time over in, in Asia. He's won seven times in Asia. I think he's won four times on the Asian Tour, so they're like his four big wins. Californian, and he's up to 145th in the world now, so... Perhaps we'll see a bit more of him. Um, yeah, who knows? Seems to be going down the the Brooks Kepka PTU line route of you know traveling the world before perhaps making it back on the PGA Tour. And that's yeah, and that's a, a well tread path now, isn't it? And one that's been very successful for for several players, hasn't it? So I mean, Kirk is the, the the obvious obvious one. You know, he was he was not well, he wasn't a journeyman on the European Tour, but he was playing every week, doing reasonably well. And then, obviously, he's gone over to the PGA Tour and now he can't stop winning majors. So, um, I think a few Americans have seen that. Well, actually, you know, it's not a bad it's not a bad life going around and learning your trade as a youngster, uh, you know, around the world, uh, when we're allowed to travel around the world. Um, you know, it's not a bad life, is it? Going out, have some fun or, or, or in all these different places and then try and make it back on the PGA Tour. I think it's, I think it's a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, uh, we've seen Kurt Kitayama and David Lipsky as well. A couple yeah. of Americans do the same thing. And, you know, if I was in their shoes, I would absolutely love to go to Asia because I've been there myself a few times. And um, the food's incredible. The culture's amazing. The courses are awesome as well. So uh, it can only help you as a person and as a golfer as well. Yeah, and I think that's right about, the, especially the golfing, the different kind of... Um, course setups that you you find all across the world i think it really does help your game because you've got to you've got to play all these different kind of shots i think it did, they make some more rounded players really uh, i think we've seen that time and time again so uh we'll have to have a look out for him there's another uh, event in spain which we'll be covering actually no it's not in spain it's in portugal isn't it this week but um which we'll be covering covering a little bit later on and um i wonder if uh, another american could win there as well but before we talk about that we will, well, you chatted to six-time Ladies European Tour winner Mel Reid recently, didn't you? Yeah, caught up with her last week. Uh, that was via LS. I called them Elise. So I pronounced it wrong, but it's her new clothing company that she's partnered with. Uh, I guess you probably know them quite well. They're quite a retro sort of 90s brand, aren't they? I think I did have some LS trainers when I was uh, when I was at school, yeah. But I know, I know they've, they've just done a huge amount of uh, women's... Uh, golf attire, which is uh, I know being sold through American Golf, so uh, and then uh, Mel Reed's obviously doing a lot of stuff with that. So uh, let's listen to your your interview with Mel Reed now and uh, see what pearls of wisdom you managed to get out of it. Mel Reed, hello, uh, welcome to Clubhouse. Thanks for joining us today. No, thank you. Appreciate it. So yeah, fresh off the Women's Open a couple of weeks ago, uh, where Sofia Popov won her maiden major. Firstly, how was that week for you? Um, yeah, it was good. Um, obviously, pretty short, just being over in the UK for a week, and it was kind of weird not being able to see my family. I think that that's the first time ever in the 12 years I've been playing British Opens that my family ever been able to come watch me, so it was kind of a different vibe. But, I mean, yeah, to play World Trium was obviously sick, and um, 
yeah, I mean, to even just have the opportunity to be playing a British Open, I didn't think we'd be doing that in April. So, um, yeah, just very, very lucky that we were able to kind of get that tournament done and, you know, great job by everyone involved. Nice one. Can you take motivation from Popov's victory? Obviously, she was ranked outside the top 300 at the time. So, uh, I guess it shows that anyone can win a major. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's motivation. Um, you know, I... I don't think I've ever been as happy for someone to win, if I'm completely honest, as what I was for Sophia, because, you know, if, if one of the other top girls would have won it, it would have been obviously great, but it wouldn't have changed their life. You know, this was actually life-changing for her. And I think just the way that she conducted herself and performed in the last couple of days was something that is pretty inspiring. And, um, you know, it just goes to show when it's your week, it's your week. And um, just very, very proud of her and very proud that, you know, of what she did and what she accomplished and it has literally changed her life so you know i'm just very proud of her yeah great so yeah you're now sponsored by elise mm -hmm. um so yeah congratulations on that and i remember hearing you a while ago say about sponsorship in the women's game and i think one of the top ranked players needed to get a new golf club and they can only get it at cost price or something so um just yeah how is sponsorship in the women's game at the moment would you say um, I mean, it's definitely got better to what it was two or three years ago. Um, you know, we, I, I did mention that story about Taylor, it was about TaylorMade, but um, since then TaylorMade have actually signed a few girls. So I don't know if they read that article or, or not, whether that influenced them at all. But yeah, I mean, you know, I do believe that it's certainly harder for women to get, to get manufacturers to kind of, you know, help them with equipment. But you know, that we, we certainly do get support very very well on the lpga um you know we have guys that regularly come out from the club manufacturers that are out every single week that are always trying to you know throw stuff at you and, and try and help you as much as possible to use their products so um you know there are companies the big companies out there that are certainly very supportive of women's golf but um yeah i mean i think that you know from a clothing point of view i was very it was a great opportunity for me to to be approached by less because you know, it's kind of not a space really that they've really um, got themselves involved in before in the kind of the, the golf clothing space. And so I just felt like it was a great opportunity to kind of, you know, hopefully have a little bit of my input because I do believe that, especially in the women's game, there's a, there's a huge market for it because I regularly get, you know, some of all the girls that, you know, just play amateur stuff are like, you know, we can't find clothes that fit great and look good. And, you know, I just believe that, you know, Aless has that capability and they've kind of shown it from their first range. Um, you know, I think they did an excellent job and I feel very, very good in this stuff, which is very important. And um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, the more companies like that approach, you know, women golfers, I think it's it's only going to do them well. Yeah. Do you like being able to wear clothes that you can wear off the course as well? Yeah, I always say, you know, you know, when you've got a good golf uh, clothing company, when you can walk off the golf course and go straight you know, to a bar or a restaurant um, and people don't really know that you're wearing golf clothes. And I kind of feel like, you know, Aless have done that, honestly, in their first collection. And so that's kind of how I establish whether they're a decent, um, they're going to be, you know, parallel to working with me because that's that's what I enjoy doing is, you know, I, I do come straight off a golf course and go and meet friends and, you know, go and have a quick drink with them or whatever. So, um, you know, something like that is important to me and I know that a bunch of other people, it's important to them as well. Yeah, I guess... Um... It's moving the way in golf now where you don't need to buy a specific golf wardrobe as such. And I guess that's um, one of the entry points for down. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, 
you know, and golf is becoming a lot more athletic now than what it was, say, 10 years ago. And, you know, you just need to look at some of the shoes that people are wearing. I mean, they're basically trainers. So, um, you know, I think that the golf market is definitely moving in that direction, which I'm all for. I think that's, I think it's awesome. And I think that that's how it should be. And so, yeah, I'm just very, very, you know, very happy with the way that, you know, our relationship is building up with the last and very happy with, with their product, considering it's their first time. Honestly, I th- I'm very impressed with it. Right. Um, moving on to um, to Forbes' top 10 highest paid female athletes. I, I had a look at that last week and I expected there to be a, a female golfer in there. Do you think that will come in the future? Um, yeah. I mean, I would like to say so. I think for that to happen, we do kind of need a superstar in our game. Um, you know, we need like a Tiger Woods, honestly, that, you know, I, I kind of felt Michelle Wee was going to do that. Um, but, she you know, she battled very badly with injuries and, you know, her body just just kind of gave up on her a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, we do need a, a female golfer to come through and, and dominate, which is going to get harder and harder, you know, the more the years go on, just because the girls are getting so good each year. Um, you know, that's the significant each year, how much strength and depth there really is on the LPGA. So, um, but yeah, I do believe that, you know, for that to really happen, we do need to have a, a Tiger Woods in the women's game. Right. And yes, yeah, so for those who don't know, all 10 of the, the top 10 were tennis players. Uh, what do you think golf can learn from tennis? Um, I don't think it's necessarily about learning. We're, we are a completely different sport. Um, you know, they are able to play in the same venue as the men week in, week out. We just cannot do that. You know, we do play the Vic Open on the same venue. And I would certainly like to be, you know, at least one mixed event kind of thrown into the schedule and, or at least have another tournament where we are at the same venue, but it's just numbers wise, it just makes it very difficult because, you know, you've got 350 players then instead of, you know, 126 and or 150 players normally. So it's just the dynamic of it. It makes it extremely tricky. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's why probably tennis is that way because of TV rights, et cetera. It's a lot easier when you will play on the same venue for the same week. Yeah. Also, I wanted to ask you, how would, how would you sum up your career so far? You know, I kind of feel that I've had a bit of a, I mean, if I, if I, I kind of feel like if I quit tomorrow, like I would have had an okay career. I certainly don't think I've reached anywhere near my potential, but, you know, I've got a lot more scars on my body than, than kind of most of the girls out there. So, um, you know, it's kind of about doing it at my own pace and, you know, I'm 32. I'm probably considered one of the older players out there now, which is kind of crazy, but, you know, I certainly think that from an athletic point of view, I'm one of the fittest. So, you know, as long as I can keep healthy, then, you know, who knows how long I can be playing for. And, you know, you just got to look at Laura um, and Julie Ingster, you know, Laura Davis and Julie Ingster, who are still competing, you know, into their mid-50s. And so, yeah, I mean, I certainly don't feel like I've even got started yet. Um, so hopefully, you know, a lot more good things are, are going to come around the corner very soon. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, more Solheim Cups in the future, I guess, after that vice-captaincy must have really made you want that success again yeah I mean obviously it was a you know I was very disappointed not to get in it but it's my own fault you know I do I believe that you can't really get disappointed if you don't get picked just because you should be in the team automatically so um but yeah I mean it was you know obviously a huge honor for me to be a vice captain and I saw it from a completely different angle and I was absolutely fine until kind of the first two the first two was where it kind of caught me a little bit so yeah I mean I I would love to, you know, play as many Solheim Cups as I can. You know, I, I live and breathe for that stuff. So, um, yeah, just try and, 
you know, stringing together some f- a few good results and hopefully getting that team next year. Nice. Uh, right. Finally, um, you moved over to Florida. Was it 2018? I think. Yeah. Um, what's it like living in the states as a Brit? Um, it's different for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I've proper I've proper got into the kind of the Florida life now. I've got myself a jeep and you know paddleboards and skateboards and bikes and things like that. So um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly it's certainly very very different i do miss england a lot but um you know there's so many more benefits here from you know performance point of view and opportunity and the people i've just met here and the golf course that i'm at is you know it's just a lot easier for me to kind of do what i need to do to try and be the best player that i can be yeah so are you at the first class with rory no i'm actually the floridian with like brooks and dj wow how's that (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty sick. I mean, I played with Brooks quite a bit in the off, like during this whole COVID. Um, so I mean, I played with him pretty much most days, which was kind of cool. And um, you know, just good to be around somebody of that caliber. To be completely honest with you, like you just get good energy from those kind of people, and you learn from them. And um, so yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And you know, just really, I really enjoy my time up there. It's it's a great. The, I know a lot of the members of the Floridian, obviously, and they're all great people. And just very lucky that, you know, I'm, I'm a, I kind of get to play there most days. Oh, brilliant. Right. Thanks a lot, Mel. Good luck uh, this coming season. And um, yeah, thanks for talking to us. No worries. Appreciate it. So that was Mel Reed. Elliot, she seemed uh, in very good mood when you spoke to her. Yeah. Um, massive respect to Mel Reed. You know, when sometimes when we interview these players, they, you know, they might turn up a bit late or it's a bit of a faff to, to interview, but she was so easy to contact. She was, uh, in the meeting actually a little bit early I think so thanks a lot to her and just seems a very down-to-earth woman she's been through an awful lot in her career and yeah she said there she just feels like she's getting started so so hopefully that's true because you know she, she hasn't won a major yet she's 32 and those six uh, ladies European tour wins are quite some time ago now so you know she's just about probably made her her home now in in Florida she's been there just over a year so hopefully she's settled down and uh, yeah, can give it a good go on the LPGA tour because yeah, she's one definitely one of our best players. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen her before, and people who who follow the Solheim Cup, she, you know, we've seen her play very well in, in some of the events there. So um, yeah, we're re- really good to hear from her, and uh, we obviously wish her all the very best. I hope to see her at the top of some leaderboards in the near future. Yeah, a, a really nice quote from her as well. I think was um, I've got a lot more scars on my body than a lot of the other girls. So. Yeah, I think that's very true. Uh, and also, what you would have heard us talk about the dress code there and, and clothing and stuff. And I wanted to bring up a story that my mate told me. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? He was a guest at a golf club and this beginner was with them, came wearing jeans, got to about the 12th hole and, uh, and the pro came out on a buggy and basically shouted at them. He didn't politely say, you know, just, just let you know, mate, your, your friend's wearing jeans. Can you just let, let him know not to... To wear them again uh, but no it turned quite ugly <laughs> and all those guys that yeah, they're never going to go and play that golf course again so I thought that was quite bad. So did they get told to leave the course or? No but they just got quite a rude telling off. Yeah that's, I mean that's not ideal is it I mean um, dress codes are, are such a divisive subject aren't they and uh, for some people they really would take offence to someone wearing jeans where others uh, people couldn't couldn't really care less, really. I think you should always 
if you're a guest somewhere, then actually you should always make sure that you try and act in the appropriate way, just as if you were a guest at anywhere. But if it is, if it's just been down to just someone not knowing exactly what's going on, especially if they're a beginner, I think being polite to people, well, I always think being polite to people is a better way than actually shouting at someone. As you say, they probably lost their, their, uh, any future custom from those guys. So, um, yeah, I don't think there should ever be that much aggression uh, towards people uh, if, if, if we can help it. And uh, I think golf clubs should always be trying to encourage as many players to play as much as possible at the moment. What do you yeah. think about it? Yeah, definitely. I thought it was, it was really bad. And uh, my friend, his friend and this, this new beginner guy will not be going back to that golf course again. So uh, that just shows you, doesn't it, that... Um, you know, we need to give these beginners a bit of leeway because there's a lot of beginners at the moment. Golf is thriving, as we heard on the podcast last week. There's 20,000 new members in England uh, and, they, yeah, they'll get to grips with it. But very, very well said, Tom. We just need to be polite to people, I think. Well, I think I think so. I'll even try and be polite to you from now on. Oh, thank you very much. I can't promise that. Um, let's look forward to this week then. Uh, firstly, on the PJ Tour, it's the start of the new season. Hey. It doesn't seem that long ago since old season finished. Oh, it wasn't. Um, so it's week one of the 2020-2021 PJ Tour season. A season which is going to have six majors within it. And the Olympics are kind of in there as well. And there's the Ryder Cup at some point. Although that's probably at the end of next year. But crikey, there's a lot of golf which is going to be happening, isn't there? And uh, it all starts this week with the Safeway Open, which gets underway at Napa in California at Silverado Golf Club. Now, I've been to Napa in California. It's got fantastic wine. So uh, a very wow. good, very good place to, uh, to go and play golf and enjoy yourself. I can tell you that for nothing. Cameron Champ won the event last year. It's not that strong a field this week because obviously the Tour Championship only just finished uh, on Monday. Uh, and it's also the US Open, of course, next week. But there are some big names. Matt Kuchar, Phil Mickelson and Siwoo Kim are among the favourites. Who do you think is going to do well? Um, well, I quite like the look of Jordan Spieth, actually. He's had a, a few weeks off now. New season, fresh start. He's one of the biggest names in the field. So it'd be great to see him get it done. Brendan Steele's actually quite highly fancied as well because he, he won it back-to-back a few years ago. Yeah, so they're probably the two that I would fancy. What about you, Tom? I think he's a very open field, isn't it? I mean, it's interesting you go with Spieth because, you know, the thing I worry about Spieth is that what, can he get four rounds of golf put together? Uh, you know, uh, that's what he's really struggled with. He's had three good rounds and then had the shocking last one. And this, I think the scoring is usually pretty decent, isn't it, um, in this event? So uh, I, I think I need to, to go for someone who's a bit more of a flat-track bully. Something, someone like that, and um, I quite like the look of someone like Keegan Bradley, who's about fifty to one. Uh, you know, he someone who can shoot very low scores, hasn't been in the best of form, but has a but has you know very very good uh, very good record when he gets going. Um, and also, I quite like the look of if I can remember who it's going to be. Yes, Rafa Cabrera Bello, who is a hundred to one. Uh, and someone who we know can shoot low, you know, very good player. Um, what do you think of Rafa's chances? I like that, yeah. He's um, he's an absolutely quality player and can go low. Yeah, never won on the PGA Tour, but 
perhaps it could yeah. be this week. No, no, he hasn't. But I mean, if you look at his record, I think it's something like he's had 10 second places compared to his five wins, I think. Or he's had, I think, I'm just looking at his stats now. Yeah, I think he's had 22 second and third places places to compare to five wins over his career. So he, he obviously hasn't got it done as many times as he should have done. Uh, but he's, you know, he's in the world, he's 69th in the world at the moment. Um, and that's, you know, that, his odds are a bit long for me there uh, for someone of, uh, of his... Uh, of his skill in a field which isn't quite as strong as it usually would be. So uh, I, I like his chances a lot. For all our betting tips, do check out the Golf Monthly website or Google Golf Betting Tips and click on the Golf Monthly posts. Uh, and there's also a European tour event, the Portugal Masters. Tommy Fleetwood headlines the field of Villamora. Stephen Brown pipped Brandon Stone to the title last year. Uh, it's usually a bit of a birdie fest, this, isn't it? Yeah, it's arguably the easiest course on the European Tour, you might say. Uh, I played it a few years ago, and yeah, it's very open, but beautiful, um, such a lovely part of the world. And yeah, it's um, never got the strongest of fields, but this week we've got Tommy Fleetwood playing, which uh, I, I thought was a bit strange, but maybe he needs to play four events or something to get into the race of Dubai, I, I don't know. But uh, he is, I think, like five to one. He's, he's a massive favourite, but there'll be plenty of value there as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it, um, yeah, he's he's very short priced. I mean, I, I find it it's going to be tricky to, to 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 back him. It's usually, you know, again a flat track bully uh, kind of course. You know, it's usually birdie fest. We usually have someone. There's usually fifty nine watch in this in this event, isn't there? So uh, I like a couple of people for this. I like uh, Ryan Fox, the Kiwi. You know, big hitter. And as we say, you can spray it about a bit and you, you still usually have a bit of a, sh- a shot into uh, into the green no matter where you hit it. Um, so I think he's a he's a good, uh, he has potential. And also Jorge Campillo as well, who um, was playing very well last year, wasn't he? Um, but I think he's been doing reasonably well so far this year. So yeah, they're the guys I, I think. Anybody else that you like the look of? Yeah, Campillo uh, won the Oman Open, didn't he, just before lockdown as well with that ridiculous putting display. I think it was the Qatar Masters, not the Oman Open. Yes, that's correct, actually. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually doing the betting tips on the website this week, and I'll reveal two. Number one, Benjamin Hebert. <laughs> uh, he is around 30 to 1. He was third at the Belfry a couple of weeks ago and has won six times on the Challenge Tour, so a uh, proven winner. And... On the complete other end of the spectrum, Alvaro Quiros won here in 2008 and was 17th at Valderrama last week and is 100 to 1. So, you know, big hitter, could go low, who knows? What a player Quiros was uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> he was an out- unbelievable player, wasn't he? You know, he thought you thought he was going to be the one to push through and really, you thought he would win a major. You know, he was playing so well. I think he won a, an order of merit, I think, didn't he? So, uh, you know, he's a very, very decent player. So, uh, and still has, still has, still has got it. Uh, uh, just not the consistency that he used to have. So, um, very exciting player. Yeah, he uh, he misses most of his cuts these days, which is obviously a shame for him. But he did win the Rocco Forte Open last year at uh, Vergura in Sicily. Yeah, I mean, if you're missing cuts, it's, good. it's very hard to win the events, isn't it? So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, hundred to one is yeah. People are hundred to one for a reason, aren't they? So uh, no, I, I like the style of that, especially if you've had a good week last week. Um, as ever, do check out the rest of our golf betting tips on the Golf Monthly website, or again, Google them, and click on our posts. There is also 
one other event this week, which is the ANA Inspiration, which is the second women's major of 2020. This week, it's at Mission Hills in California. Eight of the world's top 10 will tee it up. Defending champion and world number one, Jin Young Ko, has opted to stay in South Korea, so uh, won't be there. Um, and also, I mean, again, very disappointingly that this hasn't been sorted out. Uh, no Sophia Popov, who is not exempt despite winning the Women's Open last month. And it's a real shame that she hasn't been allowed to play. Yeah, uh, yeah, real shame. The LPGA Tour were commended, or Mike Wan, the uh, commissioner, was commended for his communication and, you know, at least telling everyone the exact reason why. But it's a little bit ridiculous, isn't it? Especially when the world number one isn't teeing up and the world number 10 isn't teeing up. So, like, they could easily be replaced with uh, with another major winner. So, yeah, it's yeah. a shame. It, it, it is, and I, I, I do understand that they're... This year has been different to any other year, and they've tried to be fair to the original uh, field that qualified. But I think there's some leeway that they could have they could have done something, and um, you know we, we should be looking at, at good headlines, uh, not not annoying headlines. And I think they, I think they've missed a trick. To be honest with you, um, it would have been very easy for them to get a get her in, especially as you say. There's been some withdrawals, you know. But it is what it is. I mean, who who do you think is going to have a good chance of winning this event, Ben? Anyone well, that you think could do well? Yeah, well, uh, well, Danielle Kang is the favourite, world number two. She obviously won back-to-back weeks on the LPGA Tour restart recently. Uh, but I think 25-1, to 1, Lydia Ko, uh, who's really starting to find form again after a dreadful couple of years, looks yeah quite good, actually. I, I'd, I'd probably maybe go £5 each way on that. Oh, boom. Oh, last of the big spenders. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a good shout. I mean, obviously, Lexi Thompson's someone that always gets a lot of attention because uh, she's obviously a fantastic player, but also uh, she's had a few uh, brushes with rules incidents as well. But um, I think Lexi Thompson wouldn't be surprised if she has a good week. Uh, and then also, I think we need to talk about, obviously, at one of the bridge, Charlie Hull, you know, very good player more than capable of competing with, with, with all the top women's players in the world. Uh, she's about 45 to 1. So, um, you know, I reckon a couple of quid on, on Charlie Hull and uh, cheer on the, the Brit as she takes home the title, I'd say. So, um, um, yeah, really looking forward to, to seeing the, the women's golf and seeing who can, who can win a second major before the second men's major next week, uh, which obviously is at Wingfoot. New York, and uh, we would usually be going, oh, there's going to be raucous crowds and mashed potato left, right and centre, uh, but it won't be this year, will it? It will be a bit quieter, um, but we're still really looking forward to it, aren't we? Yeah, God, I forgot about the crowds. Uh, sorry, that reminds me as well. Last night, did you hear uh, Ripper Magoo shouted? I didn't know. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there, were, there were fans behind one tee box, and it was, yeah, it was so funny to hear the shouts return again, and um, yeah, the New York fans are brilliant, so it's going to be a massive shame that, that we're missing out because we're so used to golf without fans now. When you actually hear them, it's going to be, yes, just amazing. I guess like football as well with, with the packed stadiums. Um, oh, yeah, hopefully we can get fans back next year. Yeah, yeah, it has been quite funny, hasn't it? There's obviously, you know, golf courses have, have boundaries and they have fences and it's amazing how many fa- fans have actually uh, <laughs> stood just the other side of the fences. It's amazing when they got announced on the first tee. There was quite a lot of clapping, wasn't there? There seems some, some. I know some of those people are actually just you know people who are getting the events put on, but um, people are trying to support their uh, 
their favourite players and their players that they love to watch golf as much as possible. And that does mean that they uh, do hang around a bit on the edges of the golf courses. So, you know, we can't wait for fans to get back, uh, um, you know, back to the events and back to the tournaments because it, it is a better place, isn't it? Uh, I know golf tournaments can just cap, crack on and, and get on with it. But, um, yeah, we, we want to see the fans back, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Wingfoot as well next week for the first time because oh, I would have been about 11 years old when the 06 US Open took place. And I remember following it on like the live text on BBC because we didn't have Sky Sports back then. Or I don't know, maybe I wasn't allowed up that late. But yeah, that was such a, a memorable US Open for the storylines. You think of Ogilvy winning when Monty and Mickelson both double bogeyed the 18th, say. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be set up really nice. Yeah, it's going to be tough, I think, isn't it? That's the thing that we're going to see. It's going to be a tough setup. It's going to be a proper US Open test, and um, uh, we're going to see some of the best players struggle, but uh, someone will obviously come out of it. So, do listen to our preview of the US Open, our full preview, which will happen on the podcast next week. And obviously, there'll be loads of stuff happening on the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk, and also the Golf Monthly social media channels at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. So, Elliot, are you playing any golf this week? Yes, I am, actually. I'm play, playing tomorrow. I've got half day. And then I'm going to Dudsbury Golf Hotel and Spa down near Bournemouth this weekend for, for a weekend away. So, yeah, loads of golf. And I, I'm going to go to the driving range as well. I had my lesson yesterday. So, yeah. Golf all over you're the place. Be, you're going to be ready to rock and roll when I see you at the Berkshire then next Thursday. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> or, you'll, or you'll be golfed out, one or the other. So, Yeah, we'll see. Are you got any golf coming up? Uh, well, other than next week, no. So, uh, But yeah, no, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Anyway, let's chat more about the US Open next week. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. And uh, do tune in again next week. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>